Hi, I'm Rob Jepson, and my mission is to help sales leaders everywhere create record-setting growth in the companies they lead. I'm here to share the secrets of the world's most successful sales leaders. I don't care how big the company or how big the team, we showcase sales leaders that are taking what the market gives and then some. We feature leaders and teams that are beating their markets, winning at crazy rates, and doing it predictably and sustainably. The Sales Leadership Podcast is brought to you by Exvoyant, the one-on-one sales improvement platform that's transforming how high-growth sales leaders use Salesforce around the world. Create one-on-ones your reps will thank you for, and use Exvoyant to help your sales managers create unique plans for every rep on your team. Now, get ready for some serious insights from sales leaders that are making it happen, and remember, don't worry, we've got you. Hello and welcome to the Sales Leadership Podcast, where high-growth sales leaders share high-growth practices and tactics. Today, we are joined by my friend, Scott Lease. Scott was one of our first guests in the show over two years ago, and then he was the VP of Sales at Qualia. Scott did for them what he's done for several others. He ran them up to a run, run rate where they are now picked as one of the next unicorn software companies and decided it was time to move on. He's a six-time VP of Sales for startup companies, recognized three times as a top 25 inside sales leader, a best-selling author, book that you need to get your hands on if you haven't, and one of the best sales leaders that I know of in the game today. Today, he runs Scott Lease Consulting, and he helps companies get off the ground and get to their first 25 million in ARR. In addition, he's the founder of Surf and Sales and has been putting on sales conferences in Costa Rica and other locations for a couple of years now with great success. Scott's someone that I follow closely personally, and I would encourage each of you to follow Scott and what he does as he's having a huge impact in the sales community and how we respond to some challenging times. I am super excited to have him back on the show. Scott, my man, welcome to the show. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me back, Rob. I can't believe it was two years ago that that I joined you last. Wow. Doesn't seem like it, does it? It goes fast, doesn't it, man? It really does. Wow. You were one of those great guests that helped us get it off the, off the ground. You know, if you look at my first 10 and you were one of them, they're great minds like uh, Justin that you, you do your Thursday night with. And yeah. uh, so, some, you know, so some really good ones, uh, John Barrows and you. And I'm grateful to that first 10 that helped us gain an audience. And now two years later, we, we have a show that is, is adding value to sales leaders around the world. So thanks. And thanks for coming back, dude. How have you been? I've been doing really well, all things considered, actually. I've, I've been uh, working hard and, and soaking up, you know, extra time with my family and, and whatnot. So I'm ma- making the most out of, out of the situation. So when you were here a couple of years ago, you were with the company Qualia. They were just recognized as, as one of the future unicorns. And, you know, kudos to you because it's a direct uh, recognition of the work you did. But you made some changes. Why don't you just update everybody with where you are, and, you know, since you yeah. were here last? Yeah, uh, last October, so for, for reference, it's late June 2020 right now. So uh, October 1st, 2019, I decided to walk away from, uh, from Qualia uh, and go full-time in my own businesses. I had been doing consulting kind of as a side hustle for a number of years already um, and had done uh, surf and sales a couple times as well. But I, I felt like, you know, now is the time to kind of give myself a year and, and see what I can do on my own, see if I enjoy it, see if I like working from home, all that, and uh, kind of figure out what I want to do, you know, long term. So I went all in on my, my consulting business, uh, surfing sales. I'm, I just finished version one of my second book, 
actually. Nice. Be happy about that. And I um, started the Serpent Sales podcast with my uh, co-founder of, of Serpent Sales, Richard Harris. That's been fun. Um, and I also ended up during COVID uh, starting this community called Thursday Night Sales with with Justin Welsh and and Amy Volos. So I, I've been I've been real busy, man. And if you know if you're trying to get on my calendar right now, it's 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 a challenge for people. And I, I apologize in advance for those who are having to deal with it. But uh, I've, I've been very busy and, and very. Busy. I can vouch for what you're saying, man. Getting you back on this show was was uh, a longer wait than I expected, but I'm glad that we we're able to make it happen. So yeah. congrats on going all in on yourself and and. That's what I want to talk about is you did that just before things started to change in a pretty significant way all around us. And it's, it's affected sales because of what's happening from a global pandemic. We also have a lot of racial tensions and and civil unrest. Uh, Businesses are being affected in different ways all around the world. Uh, Lives are being affected in different ways all around the world. There's just a lot of stuff going on. Politics are heating up. Tis the season for that again, too. And uh, it's just, it's, it's interesting. And so I'm interested to start this conversation with, as you've gone away from having the blinders on, on how do I get quality at a 25 million or whatever your number was, right? What you did, check, mission accomplished. And then you said, I'm going to go all in on this. And now you're taking on the challenges of those people you're doing consulting with. Your job is to take on their challenges and help them overcome them. What are some of the things that you're seeing right now? I mean, you got to see a lot because I know I do, and I'm not a consultant. I just work selling tech to people. I'm not taking on the challenges like you are. What are some things you're seeing happening right now that, you know, you might want to share with our listeners. These are things that sales leaders are trying to overcome. Maybe maybe some of the top things you're seeing right now. Yeah. Well, you know, number one is is the, I think the adjustment to working from home Um, and, and sales leaders have been doing this now for four months or so, right? But that doesn't mean that the companies have it fully figured out. I actually had a client call this morning, um, and this client had gone in back into the office last week, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and had hit their you know kind of normal productivity output numbers and KPIs and whatnot. And then things started to flare up a little bit in Florida where they are, and and their productivity went down like thirty percent once people went back home and were working from home. And so I was was talking to this client of mine and, you know, trying to solve for this, this whole thing that he is experiencing is exactly why sales has not been able to work from home for so long because some sales leaders and some founders and CEOs are like, Oh, if I let salespeople work from home, our output goes way down. And so that's, that's still a challenge out there, um, you know, for some folks. So that, that's a big one is the whole work from home thing. Um, and then the, the nature of outreach itself, it, you know, are people picking up the phone more? I think there's a lot of data that supports the answer was yes for quite a while during, during this uh, COVID situation. I, I think recently I've seen some data that it started to go down again a little bit. Um, email has been down in terms of response, response rates for months. LinkedIn connections, if that's your industry, utilizing that and then trying to get uh, you know, some of these businesses to look at demand generation a little bit differently. You see companies doing, you know, summits and, and webinars or podcasts, you know, anything to kind of get their name out there and generate interest and things like that. Um, and then the recruiting piece, because people, you know, companies still need to grow, right? And there's some companies sure that, um, you know, kind of 
taking this grip it and hang on, tie yourself to the mast kind of approach. Um, but you know, most of my clients are, are in this growth stage where they're like, you know, late seed or, or early. We got to grow. Yeah. We can't like, afford not to grow. They got to grow. So, you know, um, I, I have been able to leverage my network quite a bit and help with recruiting because they, they, they need help recruiting is a, is a lot of the situation. They're, they're expanding to being open to recruit from anywhere. Right. And so they don't, they don't know where to find talent necessarily. And then onboarding and training those people is, is has been a big, uh, a big, big adjustment and big change. So th- those are, those are three of the areas that I see is a common thread. So let's dive into those just a little bit because I I like those three. Um, I find that is really interesting that you picked those. I want to, let's start with the work from home because you're right. uh, There's some people that have resisted it and there are some people that were already doing it, but now that it's a hundred percent of the people, uh, let me kind of tell you what I, like one of my thoughts, I want to get your, your take on it because I'm very interested. When, When you have this forced adjustment to everybody working from home, I believe that culture could be at risk. It can be. It's not definitely at risk, but it can. Because if you don't have the ability to like connect the way you used to, and now it's all going to be in a, a new way, I think there are some ways that collaboration sometimes suffers from it. I think there are some ways that you know how you demonstrate competency de- suffers from it. And I think for sure the things you choose to celebrate change a little bit. Any thoughts around why that adjustment to working from home? is challenging. And maybe for our leaders that are listening, some things that you found, Hey, watch out for these two or three things and and be sure to get these right. Well, here's actually what I think. I think Rob, um, I agree with all of the challenges that you mentioned. Here's where I potentially disagree. Okay. I think the problem is people are trying to maintain the culture they had before rather than reinventing a new one. And the companies that I see succeeding are evolving their culture and, and having it become something else and something different. Right. So you can't, I don't, I agree. I, I love it. No, agree. no, don't, don't feel think, like stay on that evolve. Cause I think you're onto something big. Stay there. Don't, yeah, I, I just, I, I don't think that you can hold on to what you were in January or Q4 of last year, even if it was phenomenal, that doesn't mean you throw everything out. But you have to evolve it. So you mentioned collaboration. Okay, right. well, the ways you collaborated before are not possible now. They so have to change. Mean, yeah. You have to find new ways to collaborate. So what are some new ways to collaborate? Well, you've got to increase the communication. Maybe there's different projects you can do to involve marketing and sales or CS and sales more directly and collaborate, right? Um, maybe there's kind of group listening to phone calls rather than just one at a time, right? Because if I have a team of 10 and I'm going to sit at home and do 10 one-on-ones and listen to calls, that, that might take eight, nine hours in my day. Is that the most effective way for a sales leader to, uh, to, to run things working from home? No, I, I, don't, I don't think it is. Well, what if we just, you know, rotate and like once a week, Rob's calls being listened to on Monday and Scott's calls being listened to on Tuesday and get the other group in there. So it's like a group thing. My point, my point there is like, we got to evolve collaboration. Our definition of it has to be totally, totally changed. I I think, you know, um, all, all the things that works like the lunchroom stuff or the pats on the back, right. The chit chat. Well, how do you, how do you find time to, to, to recreate this kind of, 
intimacy and, 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 and friendship and, you know, just good, good vibes. Well, have more regular conversations with people, get to know people on a, on a different, different basis. I, I have phone calls with some of the team members. I don't even talk about sales, Rob. I'm, I'm not even talking about work. I'm talking to them about whatever they enjoy doing in the, in their life. You know, I, I, I have this one AE and he was telling me, that he rented a boat and, and went out on, on the lake. So we talked about boating on Lake Travis for like 20, 30 minutes. That was it. That, w- that was literally our, our one-on-one. Awesome. Right? That's, a new, that's a new type of culture dynamic, I think. Um, so that I, you know, I, I think that that's, that's part of the issue. We got to evolve and make a new culture rather than try so hard to cling to what we had before. The reason I love that you said the word evolve and I didn't have that word down on my notes as I prepped for my call with you today. There's a few things I thought we'd talk about and I like the direction you've already taken. I want to keep it in that theme. I don't know if you know Jim Dickey or not. He's a personal friend. He's a, he's a mentor of mine. He ran CSO insights before he sold that off to Miller Hyman. And he uh, he's done a lot of personal work with me. And one of the things he told me before was in revolutions, people die, but in evolutions, people live and become better. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and so we're not in a revolution. We are in a sales evolution. And that's probably gonna be the title of our episode that I do with you because you said that. Nice. So I'm stoked that you said that because you're right. If we can evolve, your sales team has great opportunities to not just live, but thrive, right? I mean, you're seeing people thrive. And yeah. if people want to hold on to what it was, that's when you have a rev- revolution. And that's when things and people die. Yeah. And so I think that's super insightful, Scott. And I'm really glad that you, you went there. And I think if all we get from our leaders listening to you and I speak today uh, is what are the elements of my team that need to evolve? They're going to be better sales leaders, right? Yeah. Yeah. I, I, think, I think you look at your, your culture and habits and how you were running business before, identify those things that need to evolve. Don't try to, don't try to redo those things. Try to find new, better ways that are more relevant to the world that we're in today. And let's just imagine that this is the world that we're in for the foreseeable future. I, I, I think when this whole thing hit, I wasn't looking at this as like, oh, this is going to be a you know, month-long kind of blip, and let's see what happens. I just kind of, in my mind, immediately went to, this is the new normal, this is the way of the world, and I need to get ahead of the you know, curve. And so I started looking at ways to evolve my idea of what my business was going to be you know this depending on who you believe this whole covid kind of situation started in january i was only three months into my yeah into my brand new business right and one of those months was december which you know (laughs) if you know anything about the consulting world there's not much going on in, in in december so i was barely getting started right and so i immediately was like i gotta get out in front of this and what are the things that I am in control of? I can say yes to everything. Every show, every podcast, every phone call. I can get more into the recruiting front and leverage my network. I have time to start working on my second book. Let me, let me double down on that. We need community right now more than ever. How can I build community, micro communities? Well, my podcast can become a micro community. Thursday Night Sales is a micro community. Patreon is something that you and I have just started. That's a micro community, right? <clears throat> I started taking on private clients in addition to my, you know, company facing clients. And 
these are things that I wasn't, they weren't on my radar at all. Right. But I think I just, I, I think by nature now, no matter what happens, I think to myself, okay, off we go. Like process information, process situation I'm in, come up with ideas, evolve, adapt, go. Don't sit around and stew about it. Don't get down about it. Don't use it as an excuse. How can I turn this into an opportunity? And where are those opportunities? And then once I see an opportunity, I got to go. And, and I've been talking about this a lot lately, but the, the delta between idea and action is something that I've been preaching a lot lately. And I, and I think that's where a lot of people get hung up is, you know, my ideas are not necessarily any better than millions of people out there. I think I just, I don't wait. You know, for example, the Patreon thing, like our buddy Kevin Dorsey, yeah. he, he, sent, he sent us a note and was like, hey, this thing is going live tomorrow morning. You know, what do you think about it? And I'm like, damn it. I never heard of this before. This I was guy, the same. Yeah, this, this, guy, this guy beat me to it, right? But 48 hours later, I had a page up, right? And I asked him, I said, hey, how long did you spend on, on that prepping and getting it ready? And he was like, oh, two and a half months or so. And, and, and you saw, you know, yeah. our, our friend Dale was laughing at me. He was like, you know, this is why Scott cracks me up. It's like, boom, idea done, right? And I, and I think that it would be beneficial for, for more sales leaders in particular to, to operate like that. Yeah, I think so too. In a message to my Patreon community, I talked about this. And I believe that... Um, in fact, it was a customer. I was uh, one of the people that was just on my show that I think is going to be on your show, Heather Monahan on confidence. Yeah. She made a point on our show that doing creates confidence. That was really interesting to me that doing creates confidence and planning doesn't necessarily create confidence. And I don't think either you or I would say, just wing it, just go willy nilly, just like see what happens. You know, those 48 hours before you went live with something that I'm going to guess that was a pretty intense compressed 48 hours. I asked, I asked a lot of questions and did, yeah. and did a good amount of research during that 48 hour period. Yeah. yeah. And so I, I think that the idea is doing creates confidence and it also creates these more smaller feedback loops where you can see what is and what isn't working, where you can adapt. And I, I do agree with what you're saying, Scott. I think that leaders uh, right now need to iterate, you know, ideate and iterate, ideate and iterate, ideate and iterate, get the idea, iterate it. Let's continue to, to figure this out. Now in this process of evolution, I'm really interested to get your take on this. What's the sales leader's role in involving people around them to figure out how do I adapt? How do I evolve? I mean, is that something you do with your team? Is it something you do for your team? I'm interested in, in, in the approach to doing that because uh, th that sometimes might be scary to some people, especially what if you're, I don't know. It doesn't matter if you're new or old to this. We're seeing stuff we've never seen and people are, everybody's looking at them. What do I do? How, any, any thoughts on the maybe adapting process? I, I know we didn't talk about this. I'm sorry to just drop it on you, but no, I'm very interested. This, I'm actually really glad you asked this question because um, I've been asked it before and gotten flack on it. And so I'm excited. To, I'm <laughs> Let's excited do it, baby. To, I'm excited to mention it again, because um, the way I look at being a leader is my job is to help you get to wherever it is that you want to go. I agree with that. Period. Period. And a lot of times, the things that are holding people back often have nothing to do with the day-to-day -day skills in the job. Okay. 
And there are a lot of leaders who shun or shy away from like actually trying to help Rob as a person. And, and I really strongly disagree with that. Like my job is to help you adapt with whatever you're going through in your life, whether, you know, look, I've had kids or people on my team who've had kids for the first time or the second time or the third time. That's a new challenge. I've had people who have family members go through health problems. I have people who themselves go through, you know, relationship uh, challenges or, or moves or mental health issues or addiction issues, whatever. Like I take all those things personally and I feel a responsibility to do what I can to support as well as propel you forward, whether that's just listening and, and doing nothing but saying, I hear you, Rob, you know, this, this sucks. Or providing ideas, right? And say, well, have you thought about trying this? What if you did, what if you did that? To kicking you in the butt saying, hey, Rob, you know, I understand you're struggling, but you're pouting, dude. Get off your ass, right? All, all these different things. Like, this, this is my job. That's how I view my job. And I've, I've had clashes with other executives, teammates, colleagues before who, who tell me you're getting into the weeds with people. You shouldn't be doing that. And I've, I've had, you know, a, a head of product tell me before, um, I don't talk to my team about anything personal, you know, whatsoever. And I'm like, D- to me, you're, you're doing a massive disservice and you're not really a leader. And, and my mindset changed because, you know, I'm at, if I'm at Qualia before you nailed it, like you got these blinders on, this is what you see. And I have a team of, I don't even remember, 75 or 80 or something like that I had at the time. And, and my team, if you will, exploded from 75 to 80 to the entire global sales community. It's awesome. And so what I, the way I look at it is like, how can I help everybody out there grow, develop, sell more, lead better, make fewer mistakes, whatever it is, inspire you for 30 seconds. Um, and that's very freeing. And that kind of goes back to this evolutionary you know, mindset, like evolving your sphere of influence from myopically what's in front of you to expanding it out you know, a, a, a little bigger. And, and like, like Heather said, doing inspires confidence. Well, the more times you help somebody, the more confident you are to do it again. Right. I agree with what you think the role is. I'm laughing that the people who gave you flack are people that are not in sales roles. Uh, Do you get a lot of flack on that answer from other sales leaders? Or is it mostly operators in other areas? Other areas. Yeah. Cause man, as a sales leader, I, if anybody thinks it's other than what you said, that should be the first consult you give them is what's the role of a sales leader. Right. And um, I think you've heard me say this and I know you have your version of it. I, I believe that if, you know, we have to do our best work in order to live our best life, then that's our job. We've got to, we want to live our best life. And it's no longer that work-life balance. It's integrated, man. You're working from home. You're balancing doing homeschooling with your kids. You're trying to get all these different things done. And, and we have to help them learn how to do that because it's no longer, I own you from nine to five, like old school would have been. It's, yeah. you know what? Yeah. We need you to have a better, fuller, happier life because you worked here and I worked with you than if you worked anywhere else. Yep. So I, I'm really glad you brought that up, Scott, because I, I, that's what it is. It's not about, are you 
doing enough activities. You're not just the sum of what you can do for me. I mean, at the end of the day, we have to win. We have to. We both know the union economics don't go away. They have to. But you're going to have a lot more success if you connect to people instead of just connect to the output. 100%. And, and, and overcoming that mindset that still is prevalent in non-sales leaders out there, that the human connection, the humanity behind it all is important, is a challenge that, that I face every single day as I talk to clients of mine, as well as some you know, who are prospects of mine, and as well as all the feedback that I hear every day from you know connections that I have who are in SDR roles, AE roles, manager roles, and whatnot, because they don't—they're not getting that kind of kind of support, and they're meeting that kind of resistance. So, you know, I, I feel a little bit of a burden of responsibility for the greater community to speak out and openly on this stuff a little more, in the hopes that you know, a quarter percent at a time, things start to change. Right? Let's let's sit on that topic for a minute, Scott, because like. Like I said, that's what makes our show great is we never know what things we're going to sit on. But I think that's a big enough deal, especially right now. And I think you're right. When you look at these sales leaders that maybe aren't providing the kind of leadership or that experience that you're sharing, are there things that they're focusing on that maybe, because nobody goes and becomes a sales leader and then wants to screw it up. Nobody wants to screw up lives. They don't want to do that. Do you see like maybe mistaken focal points that maybe gets in the way sometimes that you say, hey, I see what you're trying to do, but what you really ought to look at is this. Is there any kind of mistaken kind of things that you've been coaching people through? All the time. I mean, Can you give me no, like one or two? Yeah. Here's, here's a perfect example. And again, like mildly controversial one. I, I wrote the other day about 30, 60, 90. Yeah. And, and I remember it was great. It was a great piece. Thanks. And, and um, the ask that we get you know, as sales leaders or when you're in the interview process and whatnot. And I'm trying to simplify it for everybody, right? If you follow that thread, there are lots of sales leaders who chimed in and were like, yeah, except, you know, the CEO like wants results tomorrow. And so I don't have time to build all this stuff. So here's one mistake that, that sales leaders make. They don't stick up for themselves. That that's the mistake. You don't push back on the CEO and the founder and the C- and the CFO. You, just because they're your boss, I'm sorry, it doesn't mean they're necessarily right all the time about everything. And you've got to have the confidence. Part of your job, in my opinion, as a sales leader and any executive, frankly, is to stand up for yourself. If, if you hired me as the VP of sales, Rob, I would guess that you are not hiring me to be a yes man and just no. agree with everything that, that you want. You need me to be like, Rob, listen, I know you need results, but look, I need to spend like two to three weeks learning what the hell X does. Okay. I need to learn the industry. I need to learn the product. And candidly, like I need you to not bother me about closing deals for the next few weeks. <laughs> That's very hard for people who are in VP of sales roles or CRO yeah. roles, especially if, early, like, you know, first or second time in the role. Right. So that, that's one, that's one mistake. That's the a second, good one. The second mistake that I, that I would point out is managing too much by the numbers. And I know we touched into the humanity. A little I'm bit glad there. you said that. Cause I, I've seen a reverting back to that right now with everybody being remote. I'm seeing people going back to numbers. Yeah. It's because that's the only thing that they think they control can, can control right now. It's a, it's a control thing, right? When, when you're in the office, we started to get away from, 
the numbers being, uh, uh, you know, a God, right? It's like data may be king, but it's not a God. This is a saying that I've been, been hearing recently. Um, when everybody was in the office, like, okay, I can see what you're doing. I see you working. I see you researching. I see you sending messages out. I don't need to worry about, you know, the fact that you had 14 dials today or whatever. But once you're out of my eyesight, once you're out of my purview, all of a sudden we got scared. And so we're going back to, to these numbers. So it's made worse now, again, with the like pressure that sales leaders get from above because their bosses are even more removed and all they can look at is the number. And so if the sales leader can't tell a story of what's going on in the department, other than just saying, well, we made 700 dials last week, Rob, and we set these particular meetings, you're going to get creamed. You're going to get killed. You're going to get killed. And, and if you live with that fear of the guillotine, you know, on, on the back of your neck, what are your options? You, one option is what do you gonna holler, hoot and holler at your, your sales reps virtually? That's, that's not a winning strategy. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> that's not going to work right now. So there's more to it than the, than the numbers. There's the humanity of it all, which we touched on and how people are doing. There's the skill set development. One of the biggest opportunities to come from all this is people working on their skill sets, having some extra level of downtime, even if it's just the 30 minutes a day you saved in your commute. You got people mm-hmm. who, are, who are attending you know, more trainings, more virtual happy hours and webinars and, and listening to podcasts and, and, and things like that or reading more. Skill set development is huge. Work on that right? Collaborate more as a, as a group on each particular account. We, I, that, that doesn't happen very often in the office. When was the last time one of your sales managers brought in an SDR along with five or six other SDRs and an AE yeah. and they talked through an entire like account as a group? That doesn't happen. It happens on a one-on-one basis, yeah. right? So these are, those are some of the these are some of the mistakes that I'm, you know, seeing and I, Those I try, are good to rage, try to rage against them to try to help people out, you know, and not make the same mistakes that others are making. Stay on that soapbox, brother, because I love that you're there. Stay on it. Don't let any of these other people get you off because I, I think that's dead on. I like that you talked about um, skill set development. That's a perfect kind of segue. I'm, I'm keeping my eye on time. And this is one of the things I did want to talk about you and I, it's amazing how much we have in common. I, I see you as a, like a kind of a brother out there, man. We love the world. We, we both are helping the fight against autism. But one of the things that I, my greatest moments in life are some that you're now having is as a youth baseball coach. And, yeah. um, it, it was fun to have you share, you know, some of your, your stuff that you're, you're up against there and that you're dealing with. Uh, I, I think that that skill development is a big, big deal. And, you're right. I love how you said, what are you doing with the time that you aren't commuting anymore? Um, can you give some more, like maybe peel back the layers. And when you talk about skill development, you know, coaching is a fat word that means different thing to different people, but skill development. Now that's very specific. Can yeah. you talk about that a little bit? Sure. Here's a, I'll give one baseball analogy and, and, and one kind of hometown urban legend analogy. So All right. there, there's a, there's a story that everybody used to tell about the golden gate bridge and it's, since come out that it's an urban legend and not really true but 
for the for the purpose of my story, let's just pretend it's true. The story used to go that you know January one they'd start on the south side of the Golden Gate Bridge, and they'd start painting. Okay. And they'd get all the way to the end by the end of the year. It's a huge project, super dangerous. Take about the whole year to do it. And what would happen was once they finish, they go right back to the south side and just start over, and it never ever stops. Right. Wow. We don't do that in trying to develop skills. I spend today as a sales leader talking to my sales manager, teaching them how to forecast better. And I suddenly think that because we did this training or I had this chat with you once or twice, I don't ever have to do it again. Love it. Well, imagine what these people who painted the bridge, you know, deal with. Well, I don't have to paint the bridge anymore, Rob. I just, uh, I just finished it, right? Well, right. if I don't restart painting the bridge, it's going to erode and it's going to, you know, the color is going to fade and whatnot. The same thing happens when I, when I coach uh, baseball. I was just telling you earlier this morning, you know, yesterday we played in this kind of condensed tournament. And uh, the first game that we, we had to play, we played against a team that's currently ranked number one in the state of Texas and, and, and number three in the nation at the moment. Right. And, and we upset them. We Boom. They, <laughs> thanks. They, they, they were not expecting it. You know, I, we could hear them kind of talking after the game. They were like, oh, we should never lose that team. You know, whatever. We beat you. You beat them. Yeah. yeah. So now you think into yourself as a coach, oh, my team's got this. Like, we're in the zone. Well, we go to game two and we play horrible, horrible. We end up winning the game. But against a team that was a far less caliber, you know, opponent. We made a bunch of mental errors. Sure, there's a million reasons, right? It was game right. two. We had an hour and a half break in between games. It was 90-something degrees and humid, so maybe they're tired. It doesn't matter what the reasons are. What, what it illustrates to me is that just because you coached one time and it was executed well doesn't mean you don't have to coach on that thing anymore. So – I just feel like we always have to be in this cycle of like coaching, execution, coaching, execution, just over and over again. And you, you start at the beginning maybe with like prospecting and then into, you know, setting an appointment, then into the value prop, into, you know, running a demo, into the close or negotiations, right? And I, you train your team that way. And once you're done with the sort of last chapter of the training, right? Go back to the beginning and do it all over again. That's the only way that I've seen work to get somebody's skills to start improving and stick and stick. Not a, not a sunburn effect, not something that sticks for two or three days and then peels off, but sticks long-term. So I want to take two things you've talked about and put them together now, um, because I think what you've just outlined is crucial and we talked about having this culture of evolving and adapting. And we also had about a culture of skill development and coaching. The people that have that coaching culture that we're going to coach and then do, and then keep doing that over and over. Those people have a built-in platform, Scott, that when we now evolve and when we now adapt, because now I'm not doing face-to-face -face sales calls if I'm an outside sales team. Or, you know, everything is different. Like you said, the, the, the answer rate on a phone might be different or the email response rate might be different. So I have to have different messaging. There might be new selling situations. What we were selling to might be on pause, but a new one's popped up over here. 
And so if you want to evolve and if you want to adapt, you had damn well better have a coaching culture in place or else people are going to say, the hell are you doing to me? Can you talk about why those two are, are inter, interrelated and any thoughts that you've seen around that? Well, be, be, I think it's more, it feels more obvious to me than ever because if you're not doing that, you are literally leaving your people on an island. Right yes. Now. They're on their own. They're on their own, right? And people, contrary to popular opinion, most people don't want to be left completely alone to do their, do their job. They no. want feedback right? They want some coaching. They want to get better. They want development. They want not even just development in skills, but like development in soft skills, like leadership. And what, you know how many conversations I'm having about people who want to move up and advance their career and they have no idea how to do it now. Wow. They're totally, it's, it's lost because whatever the ladder looked like, all the rungs of the ladder have been completely severed right now in their, in their minds. What are the, the specific, specific steps so you, I think you're going to see people, excuse me, I think you're going to see companies start to bleed talent who are not investing in coaching and developing. And, and, and I don't mean just doing it every now and then. I mean like all the time. I mean like a regimen, right? And if I go back a couple of jobs in my career, I, I used to have three different time slots a day for optional sales training. These were not mandatory. They were optional. But one of them was the hour before work started. One of them was the lunch hour. And one of them was the hour after work. So if somebody wanted to, they could get three hours a day, 15 hours a week, 60 hours a month Hmm. of supplemental additional sales training and coaching. 60 hours if they wanted to right? That type of philosophy and mentality has got to come to the forefront. Now, this has got to be part of the evolution. There's no, we can't just talk about it anymore. You've got to do it. You've got to execute on it. And I think you've got to make it really kind of specific, strategic, and, and, you know, consistent. And And I think that I really think that companies are going to, to lose out who are not investing in that because look, if I'm hitting, if I'm hitting my quota for you, Rob, but I, but I feel like I'm on an Island a little bit. Yes. And somebody offers me a couple extra nickels plus some, you know, a more elaborate and clearly defined training program with steps on the ladder to move up in advance. What's my incentive to stick around? There's none. I, it's, it's, it's none anymore because I don't have my pals to go hang out with and shoot the shit and have lunch with and go to happy hour with and all that. So it's inherently, I think, more personal and individual now. And you as a sales leader have to recognize that and give people what they want. There's two things that jump out at me as I listen to you, Scott, that I, I'm so glad we're talking here. This has been a fun conversation we got about five more minutes uh, just as a time check. And I can't believe how fast it goes with you, man. This has been so good. Uh, One of the ones that jumps out at me is I have a lot of people tell me that they think coaching only happens for people that are not hitting their number. And if you're hitting your number, I'll leave you alone. I've been pretty open. I've spoken a lot about that. Do you have a response for that? I mean, you kind of already have Uh, any, any, anything you'd add to that? Because some of the people listening to the show might be of that, that mindset right now. 
Well, I think if you're a sales leader and you're thinking that way, you're doing your top performers a disservice. Amen. And I think if you're a top performer and you're thinking that way, candidly, you're an idiot. <laughs> because there is always somebody, you know, what's the old saying? Like there's somebody younger, hungrier than, than, than you yeah. coming up, right? Yeah. Like, you, you can't stop. You can't stop learning and, and developing and refining your skills. And, I, and, and to be honest with you, I, most top performers that I've ever worked with. They want it. They want it. And, and they ask for it and they show up to these things. You know, I, I was telling the story before about all this extra training that I did a couple companies back. It wasn't like the brand new people were the people that were in there. There was, there was people who had, were overachieving their quota because they're not necessarily looking for something to like revolutionizing, revolutionize their approach, right? Back to the revolution versus evolution thing. They're looking to evolve their approach. If they, could, if they could come out of this one hour with one idea, one thing that they could tweak or one new thing that they could, could evolve in, 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 and adapt and implement into their strategy, then it was worth it. That's Boom, right. that's, a, that's an hour spent, an hour well spent, right? Um, so good, dude. You, 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 just, you just have to do that with your top performer if you're a sales leader because you know how many top performers – get to the top and then fall off. What's the hardest thing to do after you win a championship, Rob? Go back and win another one. Repeat. Yeah. Right. It's hard to do. Okay. So you're one of my best reps. You just won salesperson of the year. You know what? Rob is cool. I'm going to, I'm going to leave him alone. What happens to Rob? If, if he needs me, he'll come find me. That's, that's right. That, that's right. 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 Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Well, so, so what happens to Rob in this particular case? Well, Rob has fun with all his newfound money. Rob gets behind, gets a little behind. <laughs> Suddenly Rob is a little stressed out because things are not coming as easily as before. Now Rob is a little jealous because you seem to be spending more time with some of these up and comers and now his feelings are hurt. And it's like, you know what I mean? And now Rob's pitch. If you, if I listen to your pitch from 2019 versus 2020, Whoa, I've, I just noticed something. You're totally skipping over this particular pain point or you're not going into as much detail and telling as good a story as you were before about what X buoyant solves for you. Why are you doing that? Well, because you're impatient because you got used to closing things. So you're just trying to skip ahead. That's right. Every, everything breaks down. You've, we were talking about baseball. How many times have you seen somebody hit, you know, 325 one year? And the next year they hit 260. Happens. Happens all the time. Or you'll Why? have a killer tournament. You'll have a killer tournament. And then the next tournament, it's an offer, right? And it um, happens. And the same thing happens in, in, in sales. So sales leaders need to keep coaching their top producers. Top, top producers need to continue to try to learn and stay on top of things. Because if you don't, everybody is, you know, Everybody Scott, is, I would tell my coaches all the time, the worst thing that could happen is for a kid to hit a home run. Because then after that, the only thing that they do is swing for a home run. And right. A line drive is no longer good enough. Yeah. You know, and, and then they start striking out. And yep. so this is good. So I, I appreciate this. Last thing I'm going to ask you before we start to wrap this up. Um, we talked about a couple of cultures. I mean, is there anything when it comes to creating this expectancy that we're going to have an organization that we are going to be coach and execute, then repeat, coach, execute, like a regimen. I love that term, regimen. It's good. I'm, I like that. 
what do you say to the people that say, man, I just don't have the time to do that right now? Because that's a very common thing. It sounds good, Scott. I, I wish I could, but what you don't get is I'm asked to do all these things. Any yeah. kind of thoughts to that to wrap this up? Because I don't want people to, to not take what you're saying because you've given them gold advice right there. Well, first of all, that is by far the most common sort of rebuttal of or most common objection that, that one would get. So I, I, ha I have a private coaching client who, who lives in Australia and uh, he's a, a sales director for, I'm not going to name the company, but they're massive and everybody knows, knows who they are. And he gave me this exact, you know, excuse or objection, right? No, no it's an excuse. Yeah. So what I did was I said, okay, well, show me all the things that you have to do every single day. And I get this, like, he sends me this massive list. Okay. So I look at the list and I go through it with him and I'm like, tell me more about this one. Tell me more about that one. And we'd start figuring out that some of these he can delegate. He's holding on to them because he you know, doesn't trust somebody else to produce it to that level. So now I have a conversation about delegation and mm. why it's important and how that actually gives people under you a chance to evolve and grow and develop and whatnot. Then I see these meetings that, that he's in and I'm like, let me ask you a question. Do you need to be in the product marketing meeting once every two weeks for an hour? What do you get out of that? Well, you know, not that much. I just like, I've always had to go. I'm like, well, that's, that's legacy. That's an example of the old culture that is not being shed. It doesn't make sense. This is a perfect example of how a new culture should evolve. Get rid of that thing. So we find a couple of those things. We find these one-on-ones that he has with his team. And he's spending 45 to 60 minutes on one-on-one -on -one conversations or Zooms with his team. I'm like, do you think it's possible to be just as effective in 15-minute spurts? And he's like, well, I don't know. What would that look like? I'm like, well, maybe, you know, just check in with them, talk about, for 15 minutes and, and, and the goal be to better understand them and better motivate them. That might be more beneficial on one call than a long 45 minute call that barely touches on these particular things. And I'm like, try it out right on rep number two, get right into the tactical stuff straight away. Don't talk about fluff, right? The point is we shaved off what amounted to a couple hours a week of this non-essential stuff. And I'm like, see what I'm talking about with coaching? Let's look at your day. We just found an hour and a half, 90 minutes a day that you are now freed up. Where can we apply this? And where can we get the most bang for our buck? Love it. Can we, can we do some group stuff? Should it be one-on-one -on -one stuff? Is it time for you to build and develop you know, a couple training decks, right? And I'm like, you know what we should do? Here's what you should do. Plan out and map your training schedule for the whole month of July. Because one of the challenges that he had written down, one of his tasks was like, figure out what I'm going to train on today. And back at this company that I was telling you about where I had this like morning lunchtime and, and evening training, I used to plot those all out. So you could look at our monthly calendar and see what the topics were for all three of those sessions every single day, who was leading it and whatnot. So there was never any like, oh, what am I going to talk about today? I'm like, you could do that. 
point is, look at all the, the ways you're spending your time. Shave things off. Ask yourself hard questions like, is this actually relevant and helping me today? Or is this just a legacy thing? And then adjust and you can bake in and find more time to, to actually, you know, help these people grow their skills and develop. What a great answer. I'm so glad that we finished with that. Scott, we always wrap up every episode with rapid fire, three questions, quick top of mind. Okay. This okay. is, this is fast. Uh, we're out of time. I'm sorry. I'm taking more of your time. I think my listeners are going to be thanking me for the next few weeks. Thanks for taking more of Scott's time, man. So you ready? <laughs> these are fast. You ready? Yeah. Okay. Number one, biggest sales leadership challenge today. And what do you do about it? Oh God, I'm shanking. Uh, Recruiting is, is the Recruiting. biggest challenge. What, how, how, how to solve for it? Grow your yeah. network. Grow your network. And go back to episode one with you. You go into detail on how to do that with us on that. Um, number two, when you help build teams and, and interview for AEs or SDRs, whatever, is there a favorite topic or interview question that you ask? And what is it you're looking for when you, when you, when you leverage that point? I'll ask a, a non-traditional question. Like, tell me something you believe to be true that most people believe to be false. Ooh, good one. And I, I, I want to hear the conviction with which somebody, you know, stands behind their answer, as well as the um, kind of outside the box creative thinking. Um, and and that, that tells me, in, in essence, especially if I'm hiring for leadership, that this is not going to be like a cookie cutter, yes, yes, ma'am, to everything kind of answer. Yeah. Last one. And I want to promote your book you've already written and the one you got coming we found that leaders are readers. Is there something that you, I don't care if it's pages that you turn or audibles you listen to, or if it's bite-sized blogs or podcasts, is there something you'd say for a leader, get your hands on this process, this, is there something that you would recommend they add for their leadership journey? Well, I would, I would recommend that they get away from reading business and sales books so much to be perfectly honest with you. Good. I think you, you should study leadership in all its forms, whether that's, um, you know, government leaders, Sports, sports, sports leaders and coaches, uh, educators. No, I, I'm a huge fan of um, biographies, to be honest with you. I learn mm -hmm. about the ways that some of our best leaders in the world in all sorts of different categories have gone about their, their, their business. Okay, that's it, man. That wasn't too bad. How do they get more of you? We're gonna have a lot of people that say, I, I'm into this. I want to continue the conversation or I got a question or maybe they want to be a, a client of yours. H how do they consider the, how do they follow you? How do they get more of you? Yeah, you can, you can follow me and, and reach out to me on, on LinkedIn. Uh, you can also join my Patreon community. That'd be great. Um, I'm, I'm very responsive, you know, LinkedIn, Twitter, whatnot. Just send me a message. Um, I'm almost at capacity as far as clients go. So I'd, I'd, I'd love to talk to, to people and, and try to help, help you out, but uh, got to move quick. I'm, I'm, I'm busy. I'm busy as heck right now. I hope it stays that way. Well, we're grateful that you carved out a little time for us, Scott. Uh, Scott Lease, he's leading the sales evolution, not a revolution. He's helping people evolve so that they can be strong and thrive. And, and Scott, I, I really appreciate your friendship. I appreciate what you're doing for our community. And I'm especially uh, grateful that you give us about an hour of your time here today. So as I say to everyone, man, Thank you and happy selling. Thanks, Rob. Appreciate it, man. Hey, everyone. Welcome to another So What portion of the Sales Leadership Podcast, where we break down that interview and we ask ourselves, why did that conversation even matter? But first, I want to thank those of you that have joined my Patreon community, Sales Leadership United. Shout out to each of you that are listening right now. It's amazing to see the community go so quick, quickly. I get tons of requests from sales leaders and salespeople around the world looking to go deeper. 
And places like LinkedIn are awesome, but they're cluttered, they're noisy, and they are super limited in how you create impact. So I created Sales Leadership United to provide a community of sales leaders committed to becoming legendary, iconic leaders that really have a massive impact on those that they lead. So if you haven't given Sales Leadership United a look yet, do me a solid and give it a look. If you've enjoyed this podcast with Scott Lees or, or any of the other things that we've done, I hope that you'll give it a look. And, and so give it a chance. I think if you get in there, you'll find there's some interesting things in there. I, I go a lot deeper. I have some exclusive content that I don't share anywhere else. And I am confident that this is a tool that will help you make the second half of 2020 one that you can be very proud of. I have much of the best content I've ever created. I put all of the new stuff that I continue to create. And, 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 I'm, and I'm talking about exclusive things that I don't share anywhere else. Modern insights, new frameworks, live trainings, coaching structures, and even made-for-you sales meeting tools that you can use right now. So if you've ever liked anything I've shared on the podcast, check out Sales Leadership United at patreon.com forward slash sales leadership united. Now, to my man Scott. I am so appreciative to Scott for joining us today. Scott's one of the best in the business right now, and I am grateful to have him back on the show. I love his perspective as he has had great success in helping teams achieve meaningful growth while maintaining a healthy perspective on life. Maybe my favorite thing is how Scott started with his definition of the role as a sales leader. He stated clearly that if, you know the role of the sales leader is to help a salesperson get to their desired level of success, whatever that is. Um, it's to help them, you know, another way he said it was to help them achieve their definition of success, period. You know, this is so important to me that you have this role definition. In fact, you may have noticed he said he got flack from some people when I asked what kind of people it was usually operating roles, give them flack. They just don't understand that. But since Scott understands that role, I believe it's a big part of why he's had such remarkable success over and over again. And, and I'm going to tell you, this show is a good one. This was an important show for us to do. It's an important one for you to have. I hope you'll go back and listen to it a few times uh, and take some notes, because I did. I've listened to it three times now, and I'm a better sales leader as a result. I love Scott's perspective on several things. In particular, his thoughts around evolving. He was dead on when he said that those hoping that things would go back to the way they used to be are doing their team a disservice. Did you catch what he said? When, he's, when he saw the shifts that came from COVID, he assumed that they were here to stay. And he said, I got to get out in front of this. I, I love that. He said, I just made the assumption that that was what was going to be the case from now on. And I wanted to be first to get out in front. And so Scott's learned that the first mover advantages are real and they're meaningful. In fact, they're huge. And given the opportunity, Scott's always been one that says, I'd rather engage as first mover than as a me too copycat. In fact, Scott shared you know, one of his thoughts, which I really like, that the amount of time between an idea and execution are often the biggest predictors of success. You ought to ask yourself, are you, you know, what's, that, I, what's that delta look like between idea and execution? And Scott's right. I can think for me at Exvoyant, when I've had successful teammates here, they've been doers. And I've had to have some people that were really smart and talented people, but I had to let go because ultimately all they wanted to do is strategize. And that's something that you should be thinking about. I'm finding right now there's a lot of people who still want to be big thinkers. The world needs doers right now. I love everything about Scott. Scott is not too big to be a doer. I, like myself or a couple, I have people reaching out wanting to join our company to be my next executive all the time. I don't need any more chiefs. I need people that want to be Indians. I need people that want to be 
making things happen rather than stirring you know the pot and hoping that other people make it happen and I hope you learn from Scott that he's a doer he's not a talker and that's why he has so much success and so I think this episode is about ongoing improvement ideate and iterate execution and coaching trying and improving so you should ask yourself right now is this reflective of your approach right now we're seeing why an old dog needs to learn new tricks okay experience is not indicative of success experience is not indicative of of impact particularly right now the ones who are going to win are the ones that will evolve and adapt first we what we used to do in many cases we can no longer do so you'd better be able to adapt you'd better be able to evolve or you're going to be irrelevant and you're going to be what scott said keeping people on alone on an island so now is not a time for arms length arms length leadership Now is not a time for, I'm sorry, now is a time for active involvement in the development of every member of your team. Scott's talking about an evolution, right? There's a song that says talk about a revolution. Scott's talking about an evolution in sales, an evolution in leadership, making things better for those that work with you, making things better for those that are all around you, helping them achieve their personal ambitions in part because they had the opportunity to work with you. But I want you to go back and listen to Scott's warning. People that don't figure out what this coaching stuff really means, people that don't really figure out how to help their reps intentionally improve, they're going to lose people, good people, the ones you don't want to lose. The ones you'll hold on to are the ones that suck that you wish you'd get rid of. So make how you lead people part of your evolution. Don't talk about it, do it. If you do, you got a great chance of winning. If you don't, it's going to be way harder than it needs to be. So create your regiment, as Scott calls it. I tell you that you can't afford not to. So Scott, thanks for joining us, brother. He's one of the top guys in our field, and I highly recommend you follow him. Go back and listen to this episode a couple of times. It's packed with gold. Make this one required listening for all of the managers you work with. Your company will be better as a result. Scott, again, thank you. I appreciate what you're doing for the sales profession, and I appreciate you giving so much uh, to the listeners of our show. Thanks also to each of you, our listeners. I appreciate your feedback. I appreciate you mentioning us on LinkedIn. And I appreciate your five-star reviews on iTunes. Please keep them coming if you think we deserve it. Uh, Thanks for each of you that have reached out uh, to me to discuss your one-on-ones. My offer still stands, and I'll hop on a Zoom call with any of you to discuss your approach to the one-on-one. I had three reach out last week. I hope to get five this week. Listen, the one-on-one is more important than it's ever been. And if you can't use it to help build confidence in each rep, we should talk. If you want to discuss how you can have your one-on-one become more impactful, Please, please, please call me today. I offer it with no strings. Not trying to sell you anything. Just want to help as many leaders as possible make the one-on-one their number one tool. Hit me at rob at xvoyant.com. So here's to evolving. Because when an evolution happens, you create a superior species as a result. Okay, And if you can successfully lead the evolution on your team, you'll end up with superior salespeople led by a superior sales leader. I thank you for listening, and as always, don't worry, just execute, because we got you. Thanks for joining us for the Sales Leadership Podcast, your weekly pipeline to the most successful thought leaders and rainmakers in sales. Make sure to check out additional episodes at salesleadershippodcast.com. The Sales Leadership Podcast is produced by Brian Jepson and is sponsored by Exployant the modern sales leadership platform for Salesforce.com users. 
you can visit Exvoyant at exvoyant.com.